Awesome. The book of Luke, chapter 6, and verse number 43 says this. For a good tree bringeth not forth corrupt fruit, neither doth a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. For every tree is known by his own fruit. For of thorns men do not gather figs, nor of a bramble bush gather they grapes. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. I just want to bring a very simple thought tonight, and I'm not going to be very long, called the abundance of the heart. Would you pray one more time with me? Jesus, we're so thankful for your word. We're so thankful, God, for how it speaks to us, how it changes us, how it transforms us. Jesus, we just pray that right now, in this place, at this moment, God, your word would go forth lodge in our hearts, God, to bring about the change that you desire in us. I pray that as that change occurs, we would speak words of life. We would speak words of hope. We would speak from an abundance of goodness and an abundance of grace. We pray be in this place in an even richer and deeper way as we go forward. In Jesus' name, I pray. Somebody say the name of Jesus. Jesus' name. You may be seated tonight. The world is inundated with an abundance of words, written and spoken, prosaic or poetic, emotive or boring. We are constantly and often willingly bombarded with words from our friends and our family, our news channels, our media, social and otherwise, our books, our magazines, the the things that we read. We have so many countless sources of information, of words that we can grab a hold just by in our fingertips. We're all there, right there. In some cases, it's amazing. Uh, in, in many cases, it can seem overwhelming. But no matter the source, every word that you read, every word that you hear is tinged, colored by its source. Because it originates from a human who is incapable of being biased, of being unbiased, rather. This is neither good nor bad. It just simply is. And we must recognize it as so, even if we cannot detect it. And our bias is derived directly from the abundance of our heart. The words that come out of our heart, whether written or spoken, they reveal the state of our heart. And this is, ladies and gentlemen, an inescapable law. What is in our heart will come out and shape our words. Now, we can become very adept at disguising what's in our heart. And to some degree, that's a sign of maturity. We don't say everything that comes to our mind lest we ruin some relationships. We don't say that. We don't say those things which come immediately to mind. But in some cases, it can become deceptive. So no matter what's in your heart, it will come out. And Christians are not exempt 
from this law. And since Jesus ought to be in our heart, Jesus ought to come out in what we say. It doesn't matter what country we live in, what side of the political spectrum we align ourselves with, how we were brought up, the level of our education or otherwise, the level of our affluence or otherwise. There ought to be one defining characteristic of the words that we speak and what they reveal about the abundance of our heart that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should have should not perish but have everlasting life. This should be the subtext behind all of our words, the inevitable conclusion of those who listen to us, the final analysis of what is in our heart that Jesus came, that Jesus died, that Jesus rose again from the grave to bring us life. Jesus the center, Jesus the abundance of our heart should result in Jesus being revealed in what we say. And so the question I've come to pose to us tonight is this, what is the abundance of our heart? Now your heart is a very mysterious place. <clears throat> a place that you do not fully know. Anybody agree to that? Some, some hands out there? Jesus brought up the idea of trees in our opening text, trees that were good, trees that were corrupt. They were known by their fruit. And in this context that Jesus is speaking, is your words form a portion of the fruit that's being analyzed. But one thing that we need to understand is that it's very difficult to investigate our own heart. Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 5 says this, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, that maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. For he shall be like the heath in the desert, and shall not see when good cometh, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land, and not inhabited. Now can we all agree that's, not a good place to be. That's bad. The tree that's in that kind of a place, that's a bad place. That's not where we want to be as children of God. That's not where we need to be planted. But Jeremiah goes on to say, Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters, and that spreadeth out her roots by the river, and shall not see when he cometh. But her leaves shall be green, and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. So that's, that's a good tree. That's the kind of tree that we ought to be like, a tree planted by the rivers. We uh, are trusting in the Lord. We are hoping in God. That's, that's what we want to be. We don't want to be in the desert. We don't want to be planted in salty desert land. We want to be planted by the river. So very clear picture Jeremiah is painting here of these two trees. But then Jeremiah goes on to say the heart is deceitful above all things. And desperately wicked. Who can know it? Jeremiah is painting this picture. There's, there's 
good trees and, and, and there's bad trees. But guess what? It's very hard for you to know your own heart in this matter. It goes on to say, I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. You see, the only person, the only entity who knows your heart is the Lord. He's the only one who does. And when he brings tests our way, when he tries our reins, he's trying to get us to understand what kind of a tree we are. So how can we know it, though? You see, our heart can be fickle. Emily Dickinson wrote, the heart wants what it wants, or else it does not care. We can be surprised, even as Christians, by what we might find lurking in our heart. Only God knows our heart. And yes, God has revealed the condition of our heart in the word of God. In aggregate, we understand the condition of the human heart. But this doesn't really tell us the condition of our own heart unless we allow the word to search our heart. You see, we, <clears throat> I think we would be very shocked to find what's actually in our heart should the Lord have chosen to reveal everything that was in our heart when we got saved. It's a process. God reveals ourselves to ourselves as a matter of course, as a matter of time, so that we don't lose heart because of what's in our heart. However, God has given us a very helpful tool to ascertain what is in our heart. Now, today, we're, we're all about coronavirus testing, and we're all about you know, figuring out who's got coronavirus and who doesn't have coronavirus. But can I tell you tonight that the very most important test that you can possibly conduct is the test of your own heart. And the test that God has given to us is what we say. You see, we can test our heart by looking at what we say, or rather, should I say, what we're tempted to say. You see, this isn't just about detecting sin. It's about detecting abundance. What is abundant in your heart? What is it that you spend the most time thinking about? Was it, what is it that you spend the most time talking about? What is it that's running around in your mind even this very moment? What is abundant in your heart? You see, the difference between Jeremiah's two trees was their location, the kind of ground they were rooted in, their fruit or their lack of fruit was directly linked to the abundance being drawn in from their environment. For the one, it was the bitterness of salt and sand, the bitterness of disappointment and sin, the bitterness of, of things gone wrong and, and bad decisions made. Versus the good tree that was drawing in the word of God, drawing in the spirit of God with hope and trust in God. It was the difference of the environment. 
You see, when you trust and hope in the Lord, when you plant yourself in an environment that's positive and encouraging and that constantly reinforces good things, it directly affects the abundance of your heart. That's why this excites me tonight to see all of you in this place because this is what we need. This is the kind of environment which changes the abundance of our heart and plants us beside that river. But when you trust in yourself or trust in people, when you plant yourself in an environment that's filled with harmful or dubious intention and that constantly reinforces bitter things, it also affects the abundance of your heart. You see, what you allow your heart to feed upon, just like a tree, will shape your heart And what is in your heart will come out and shape your words. This is an inescapable law. So when we take a hard look at what we're saying, what we're posting, what we're texting, what we're sharing, we will catch a glimpse of what is in our heart. Now, let me be very careful to tell you that this is not about being careful about what you're saying and what you're posting and what you're texting. What I'm trying to get you to understand is that this is about looking at what's in your heart that makes you want to post that thing or text that thing or say that thing. It's about what's in your heart, the abundance of it. That's what we're concerned with tonight. You see, this is very serious business Because we will be judged not just by our actions, but also by our words. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 35 says this. And this is basically the same passage, but in the book of Matthew. A good man, out of the good treasure of the heart, bringeth forth good things. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure, bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you, that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall Give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Now, obviously, this is in the day of judgment. This is in eternity. But can I submit to you tonight that that this, this idea that you're judged and justified by your words I would like to say that we can bring that into the here and now and say that, yes, even today we can be justified or we can be condemned by our words because it reveals what is abundant in our heart. Abundance reveals dominance. And what is abundant in your heart is what is dominant in your heart. And this is never a static state. This is never something that's just going to be set in stone and ever thus shall be. It's something that will and can shift over time if we permit it. So what is the abundance of your heart? If you find yourself with the wrong kind of abundance, then let me tell you today is an opportunity for you. If you're watching online or if you're in the house tonight, Jesus came 
to this earth to pull us out of that wilderness of sin, out of that wilderness of salt and sand and harshness. And he came to bring us life. He came to plant us by that river of living water. And so tonight there's an opportunity for you to take your trust off of man and put your trust onto God, to take your trust out of the world and put your trust into the one who came to save you. That opportunity is here for you tonight. Now with Jesus in our heart and Jesus on our side, we can indeed have a heart that's abundant with good things. But it still requires effort on our part. And this is where sometimes we as Christians can stumble. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23 says this, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Out of our heart are the issues of life, the actions we perform, the words that we speak. And so we must guard our heart just like a sentry at the entrance of a fortress. What we grant admittance to will have an effect on our heart. And the degree of that effect is related to its influence on our memory, on our memory. Now, we have, according to science, we have short-term memory. And as I grow older, I realize that that's becoming less and less mm, dependable. We also have uh, long-term memory. And long-term memory is a large part of who you are. It's a large part of what makes you, you. And so throughout any given day, Uh, You're bombarded, we are bombarded by sensory signals, lights filtered through our eyes and sound through our ears, and both light and sound convey information that our brain stores in our short-term memory. And then our brain processes some of this information into long-term memory. And this, this processing is based on what your brain, you, deem important. And what it deems important, what your brain thinks is vital, is largely dependent on four things. How important you felt that information was, how many senses were engaged at the time you received that information, if it was reinforcement of a previous memory, very similar, or if it triggered strong emotions. All of these things work together to change your short-term memory into long-term memory, which becomes a part of who you are and to some degree reveals the abundance of the heart. And so, obviously, as more of these things are at play for a given memory, the stronger that memory is and the more influence it has on what is abundant in your heart. And that means, and I declare to you tonight, that one of the best ways to shift the abundance of your heart is to experience the presence of God. The presence of God changes the atmosphere of your heart. The presence of God shifts that abundance from the desert to the water, shifts that abundance from the salt to the life. And let me tell you tonight that, of course, when we come into the presence of God, we realize that his presence is important to us. It triggers that long-term memory. And of course, 
when we come into the presence of God, we lift our hands and we declare with our voice how great God is. And when we hear the voices of our brothers and our sisters, likewise declaring the glory of God, it triggers something in our brain that says, this is important. This is something you need to remind yourself with. This is something you need to store inside your heart. And yes, of course, we remember all of the times God has touched us in the past, all of the times that he has come close to us and changed us. And all of a sudden, the memory that we're making in that moment reinforces all of the times before that God has touched us. And of course, when we worship God, our emotions get involved and we begin to declare how great God is and how awesome God is. All of a sudden, that changes our mind. It changes our memory and it shifts the abundance of our heart to the place that God desires. This is why church is so, so important because this is what we need. The world doesn't understand it. The world doesn't get it, but we do. We understand that this is life to us. This is what we need. One experience with God can change the direction of your life. But can I submit to you tonight that it's repeated experience with God that it changes the abundance of your heart. One experience can change the direction, but it's when you on a repeated basis, on a daily basis, you come into the God's presence and you allow his word and his spirit to shift the abundance that's in your heart to what he desires. While we obviously desire and seek for major encounters with God, it's actually the little things that we do on a daily basis that has a very long-lasting effect on the abundance of our heart. There's a book I'm reading called Atomic Habits, and I've just kind of gotten into it a bit, but basically it says uh, how tiny changes in our habits can make a big difference in our life. Oftentimes we see there's a change that we want. We see it on the horizon, but it, but it seems so far away, and it seems like we, we could just never get there. And, and maybe in your life tonight, you're, you're, you're in that desert. You're feeling that bitterness and that disappointment, and, and, and you see the river. You want to get beside the river. Can I tell you tonight that, that sometimes all you need is a little change on a daily basis? A little change tomorrow and the day after and the day after and the day after. And all of a sudden, you're on a roll. All of a sudden, over the weeks and the months, you begin to realize that that thing that was on the horizon, it's a lot closer now. That mountain that you thought was too tall, guess what? You're already halfway up. You know, that wall that seemed to be so tall, all of a sudden, you're, 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 you're scaling it and, and you're, you're almost there. All it takes sometimes is just that 1% change. And so every day, we're creating or strengthening our habits, be they positive or negative, be they life-giving or life-suppressing. And most, if not all, of our habits, guess what? 
They affect the abundance of our heart. If the abundance of your heart is shifting in a negative or a lifeless way, or maybe it's already in a depressing place, then it can seem very daunting to move back to that place of hope and encouragement, especially in light of all of the things that we're going through with this pandemic. And sometimes through the power of God, we can be renewed and we can be strengthened in a moment, in an instant. And it's my prayer that before you leave this place tonight, God can reach down and touch you and make that change that he is so capable of. But God also desires us to go through this daily process of transformation, to produce good fruit, to speak good words from an abundance of good in our heart. This requires a process of growth where every day we're growing little by little. 1% today, 1% tomorrow, 1% the day after. And so I challenge you tonight, tomorrow, think about what that 1% change is. Change it tomorrow. Think about it tonight, but do it tomorrow. Change it. And let me tell you, and let me emphasize tonight, I'm not talking about it's one or the other. We need both. We need God to, to touch down in our midst and change lives. But we also need that daily process of transformation. And so regardless of where you find yourself now, let me pose another question. What do you want the abundance of your heart to be? Where do you want to be? I hope you desire to be beside that river of life. Now Jesus is concerned, and I'm quickly coming to a close. Jesus is concerned about the words that we speak. The abundance of your heart matters because it's what that comes out of your heart that changes and affects the lives around you. And so Jesus is very, very concerned about what we say and how we say it. As our words leave our lips, or as we speak, or, or via our fingertips, as we type, they lodge in the mind of someone else. The abundance of your heart, child of God, influences the abundance in somebody else's life. Your words matter. When Jesus spoke uh, this particular scenario in the book of John, Jesus spoke some hard words to his disciples, words that were very difficult for them to hear. And so the Bible says that many of them left, many of them departed. And Jesus turned to the 12 disciples and he asked them if they would also leave, but Peter said, and I just find this so amazing, he said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Now, Peter could have said, you know, you know, Jesus, we love your miracles. That's, that's why we're staying, because of your miracles, because of the wonderful things that you can do. Or, or, or we like to stay because of, because of the bread that you feed us. The, the five loaves and, and the two fishes and the feeding of the 4,000 and the feeding of the five, that we love that. That's great. Peter could have said that too, but he didn't. He didn't say, 
because of your miracles or because, because of the bread that you, you fed us. But no, what Peter said was, Jesus, you have the words of eternal life. That's what we need. Miracles are great. We long for and desire to see miracles, but we need the words of life. Yes, we love it when God provides for us, but child of God, we need the words of life because it's his word when it goes forth and lodges in our heart that it changes us and it changes the abundance of our heart. And so child of God, because you have the spirit of Jesus inside of you, the words that leave your mouth need to be words of life. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 20 says this, the tongue of the just is as choice silver. The heart of the wicked is little worth. And then a few verses later in 15 and 28, it says the heart of the righteous studieth to answer, but the mouth of the wicked poureth out evil things. Now, if I could kind of mush those two verses together, I think we could read it like this. The heart of the wicked is little worth, but the mouth of the wicked poureth out evil things. But on the flip side, the heart of the righteous studieth to answer, and so the tongue of the just is as choice silver. We are the body of Christ. And if this world is going to hear words of life, it's going to come from you and it's going to come from me. John chapter 6 and verse 63 says, It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Let's all stand tonight. The music would come back. The words we speak need to be life because the world that we live in right now is drowning in words that are not of life. Words of cynicism, words of recrimination, of anger, of despair, of violence, of hatred, and, and we can respond in one of three ways. We can join in the vicious cycle of hearing and regurgitating lifeless words and when you do so, you plant yourself in a parched land. And the abundance of your heart will gradually shift to false ideas and concepts and your words will betray you. Or we can try and pretend that nothing is wrong and hope trouble doesn't come our way. But the problem with this approach is that the world is a way of forcing us to engage with it. Or and this I commend to you tonight, we can guard our heart. We can short circuit the cycle of lifeless speaking to prevent its poison from reaching our hearts. And instead, we sink our roots deep into the spirit of God, deep into the word of God, so that when we speak, we speak from an abundance that offers up only hope and help in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Peter said, for he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. 
Let him eschew evil and do good and let him seek peace and ensue it. Your words matter and the abundance of your heart matters because what is in your heart will always come out. This is an inescapable law. So child of God, what is the abundance of your heart tonight? What do you want the abundance of your heart to be? I wonder if you would just lift a hand right now and let's begin to seek the Lord. Let's allow his spotlight to search our heart. Jesus, we come to you tonight, Lord. Lord, we know that we need, we need you. We need your spirit to fill us. We need your word to redeem and restore and renew and change and transform us. Jesus, we need your power, God, to come down in our lives on a daily basis, oh God, to change us so that we can be, oh God, the kind of people so that we can be your body, God, that that says and speaks words that offer life. Jesus, search our hearts right now. I wonder if you just entertain him just for a minute tonight. Jesus, we're confronted every day by the things in the world, the things which try to sway us, the things which try to move us and shake us. But God, we are holding fast to your word. We're holding fast to your promises, oh God. We are not going to relinquish, oh God, the hold that you have on us. We're going to hold on to you, Jesus. So we pray, God, Lord, that you would fill us tonight. Jesus, that you would transform us, oh God, so that we could be the voice that this world needs needs to hear. Oh, Jesus, we lift you up tonight. Jesus, we lift you up tonight. And so, church, right now, I pray and I ask that you would begin to seek God and begin to worship Him because it's that attitude of worship it's that atmosphere of worship as God comes in and the the things that are in our heart that don't please and they shift out of the way and the things that God desires to put into our heart they begin to move in and, and shift that abundance of our heart so let's worship God and let's give him some praise tonight and, and let's make some memories let's make some memories of how good God is and how God has changed us Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Oh, yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Oh, yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. 